Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, we have two amazing interviews with my Hall of Fame co-host, Bully Ray. First, we talk to Mike Bennett, who's challenging Nick Aldis for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship on Fight TV Tuesday night. Got to catch that. We talked to him about not only that matchup, but his career in the WWE and what his future looks like. Also, we talked to Miro. That's right. Miro with AEW Dynamite, formerly Rusev in the WWE, is now Miro. You can see him every single Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. And we talked to who he wants to challenge next now that he's in AEW. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. We had Nick Aldis on the show last week, and there's a huge match that's coming up on Tuesday. That's right, the United Wrestling Network. You can watch it on Fight TV, and that's Michael Bennett challenging Nick Aldis for that NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And to talk about the other side of this match, we're pleased to bring in Mike Bennett. How are you, sir? I'm uh, I'm surviving. How are you guys? We're, we're surviving, too. And it's funny. We yeah. just had a quick conversation during the break. And, you know, Bully is, you know, throwing napkins in the air on the weekend listening to Diplo music. So we thought we'd try to play a little Diplo music. And you said, you know, because you do have young children, you're, you're listening to a lot of Dora the Explorer. I think everyone's kind of gone through that phase when they have young children where you got to listen to Dora the Explorer and JJ the Jet Plane and you know, Barney the Dinosaur. It gets it, it, to the point where you're actually singing along to these songs with them. Oh, absolutely. I'm uh, so uh, Freddie's new kick right now is uh, the original Aladdin, which came out in like '92. So I've been singing "You Got a Friend" or not uh, the genie song, uh, whatever the genie song is. I've been singing that nonstop because that's her favorite song. So we hear it every single day in the car, on the TV, when I go to bed, when I wake up. It just never ends. I mean, when I think of genie, I think of Barbara Eden. I dream of genie. I think we're talking about two two genies over here. And it's crazy now because like when my daughter was growing up, it was still like the DVD player. Now yep. you see like my brother's kids, like they know how to use the phone, get to YouTube, find the video. Like they can't say their name, but yet they can find, uh, you know, the video on YouTube. It's nuts. Oh, they can navigate through everything. Freddie now takes pictures on my phone of, of whatever. <laughs> I have random pictures of her feet and my back and the back of my head and then Maria's nose. And that's usually what my camera roll looks like right about now. <laughs> well, let's get into it because tomorrow night is, is a huge night for you. Like I said, it's on Fight TV. I can't wait to watch it. It's the return of the NWA. Nick Aldis, your NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and you as the challenger. And, and, and Mike, when... After I watched that 10 pounds of gold and to hear your story and what you've been going through, um, this is like a huge matchup for you, not just professionally, but personally as well. Yeah, no. And this is, um, you know, it's, it's funny when we got released back in April, I spent a good two months like trying to figure out where my next move would be. Like I knew I wanted it to be special, but I also didn't know if anyone would really be interested in me because like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, completely oblivious to what the last three years were like. Like I would love to come out and be like, Oh yeah. Like I was a former WWE guy. So everyone's going to be chomping at the bit for me to come and wrestle for them. But I was kind of living in obscurity at WWE. Like I did two Oh five and I had little like tidbits here on raw or SmackDown. So I really wanted, uh, to come out and, and do something special, but I didn't know if that opportunity would exist. And like, thank God this, uh, NWA opportunity, came about and it really just 
I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It really just, it like excited me about pro wrestling again. Cause I had really been in a bad place. I, I hadn't really enjoyed pro wrestling. And a lot of that comes like falls on my shoulders. And I realized that, but the, the last three years kind of gave me a sour taste and I really needed something. And this was, this was it. This I'm back in love with pro wrestling because of this. And I'm so excited for what uh, tomorrow night's going to bring. Mike, I appreciate you being honest about how some of the negativity of the past three years falls on your shoulders, but how, how does it really fall on your shoulders? What did you do wrong? If I look at your social media, I didn't see you do anything wrong. If I watched you in half of the horse shit that they gave you, I didn't see you do anything wrong. So what did you do wrong? Or are you just playing the nice card? So, and I, I, I love that question because that, that uh, I'm not playing the nice card because here's the thing that I learned when I got sober is you have to hold yourself accountable. Um, one of the big things I've started doing is there's this, this mantra that I kind of live by and it's, it may not be your fault, but it is now your responsibility. And, and that's something that I've kind of not only in life and that's what helped me with my addiction, but just in general. So I showed up at WWE. It was my dream job. It's what I always wanted to do, but I showed up not in the best shape. I showed up addicted to drugs. I showed up not ready to go. Um, and so first impressions are a big deal. And so if the first impression that Vince or anybody else got there was, well, he's had three months to sit at home before we brought him there and he's not in the best shape of his life, then what has he been doing? And then, oh, well, we signed this guy who's addicted to drugs. Well, maybe we need to look at our vetting process a little bit better. And just you add all those things together. And I think there's a percentage of the failures that falls on me. And even if they're, even if, you take it and say, well, like bully, like you just said, like maybe it's not all on me uh, and it's all on WWE, but still I'm in this position now. So again, it might not be my fault, but it is my responsibility. So like, that's how I'm looking at it moving forward. Now, was there a bad creative along the way? Of course there was, but I try to make the most of it. I try to do the best I could with what I was given. Um, I actually like the challenge of that crazy raw angle of, 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 like submitting to my wife all the time. I was like, let's see if we can get something out of this because who knows, maybe this could be the best thing that ever happened to me. So yes. And there's always, and, and Bubba, you know, this backstage, you have to push for yourself because nobody else is going to push for you. If you're not fighting for yourself, if you're not going to Vince and telling him time and time again, this is why I deserve to be top guy. This is why I deserve to be in the main event. And uh, that you're just not going to get it out of sight, out of mind. And there's so much talent in that company right now. So should, did those conversations happen with you and Vince or you and Maria and Vince? And what were those conversations like? Yeah. So I, I actually, I had many good conversations with Vince. I, uh, after, uh, after we had our first child, I remember going into Vince's office and I just said to him, I was like, look, if this, if this isn't working out, if this, if I'm not what you thought I was or whatever, or you just don't see anything in me, I asked Vince, I said, then just let me go for a couple of years and maybe I'll come back and we'll figure this out. And he straight up told me, he said, I've seen your work. I think you're good. We just have to find the right storyline that fits. We just have to find the right place for you. He's like, I got a million guys right now. And, and quite, I mean, he, the one thing I respect about Vince is he was always brutally honest with me. He never sugarcoated anything, which I, I respected that. Um, I wish other people in that company wouldn't sugarcoat things for me or just try to do things. But Vince, if I went to him directly, he always straight up told me what was going on. And so we did have those conversations and we had many opportunities where me and Maria went in there and we pitched stuff and Vince always seemed open to it. He always seemed, he was very respectful about everything. And, and then they just didn't materialize. And I know how that works. I know I'll go in there. I'll tell Vince one thing. He might like it, but then Roman goes in there. Seth goes in there and Bray goes in there right after me. And he probably doesn't remember it after that, um, which sucks. It sucks for us smaller guys. who are trying to get our names up there, but it, at the end of the day, it, 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 it's just how that company works. So like, I, I, I tried, Maria tried, and it didn't work. So what else are you going to do? 
you know, you said that that was your dream to go to the WWE. And then when once you're gone, do you feel like a sense of accomplishment that, hey, you got there, you're on TV? Or is it like a disappointment that you got there and it really didn't fill your expectations? Uh, you know, I've gone back and forth with this because I, so for me, it was always get to WWE. That was always the dream. And but I've kind of looked at it in a different way. And it's. I think getting to WWE was just a way to teach me and to propel me for what I'm about to do now. Um, and I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's like, I, I, for so long was like, it's WWE or bust get there because that was your dream. When I was 13, I wanted to become a WWE wrestler that that was it. And even through all my journeys, it was like, I love doing this. I love doing that. But the goal will always be WWE. And then when I got there, I was kind of like, well, this isn't really what I like about pro wrestling. This isn't really what I wanted to do. I fell in love with pro wrestling and ring of honor and new Japan and impact and doing that stuff. Um, and then when I got to WWE, it wasn't, I didn't like getting the four minute matches and the very strict script that you have to read. It just wasn't fun for me. And this isn't a knock. That's how that company works. And again, I, you either accept it or you don't, it's Vince's company. This is how he wants it to run. So you either accept that or you don't. And eventually I accepted it and I said, well, this isn't really what I like. So I can either mope about it or I can use it to teach me. And as bad, and I think I've had one of the worst WWE runs, like it's up there. And, but I use it as, as a learning experience. I learn more about myself as a person and a father and a husband and as a wrestler in those three years than I learned in the, the past 20 years of my wrestling career. I learned so much there, good, bad, or indifferent. But like, I think that's why I'm so excited for this match against Nick because I I think I'm an entirely different person and I'm an entirely different wrestler. And I, I'm going to try to show people that tomorrow night. Well, I can honestly tell you that I think you and Maria took chicken shit and turned it into chicken salad because <laughs> obviously it was, it was what it was creatively. I guess it was, listen, it was probably more soap opera esque than just about anything else that they have there. So um, but you took a situation and a storyline that might have been difficult to do, and you guys always gave it your all. I remember coming on the show sometimes and talking about and said, eh, wrestling fans probably don't want to see it, but at least Mike and Maria are giving it their all, and they're doing their absolute best to make it work, which is, you know, that's the talent's responsibility. No matter what you get, you got to do your best with it, because then at the end of the day, you would be wrong for at least not trying. So I think you guys did a really good job. Um you talked about obscurity a little earlier on past three years. Mike Bennett might not have been on the tip of people's tongues. Why should wrestling fans believe in you going into this match against Nick Aldis? You know, um, I think because my history, I think if you look at back at the things I've done, like we can take a small sample of my career and look at the three years. And that's fine because the three years were, for the biggest wrestling company in the world. So, I mean, if you play, uh, people are going to look at your three years with the Yankees over your three years with the Marlins because, or your 17 years with the Marlins, because you're now playing for the, 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 the big, the, you're in the big leagues now. And so I get that. But what I would ask people to do is go back and look at the 17 years prior to WWE. And the fact that I spent 10 years on the independence before I even signed a contract. And then the first one was with ring of honor and then look at the stuff I did with ring of honor and winning, you know, the ROH tag team championships with Matt Taven. And then uh, going to new Japan. When, when I first started at ring of honor, everyone said, I didn't belong in ring of honor, let alone going to new Japan. Everyone was like, no, you don't fit that style. And I somehow was able to work my ass off and get there and get to where I wanted to be uh, in New Japan. And then not only get to New Japan, but be able to win the IWGP Tag Team Championships over there. And then go from there and go to Impact, which Impact is some of the most proud work I've ever done. The stuff I got to do with EC3, um, I'm, I'm so incredibly proud of that stuff. And that that wedding segment that we did right before I left where uh, with Allie and with Braxton and Maria and just spud and like it was just so much of that stuff i'm so proud of and if you're gonna base me off my three years at wwe i get it 
I don't like it, but I understand it. But what I would ask people is look back at the 17 years prior and then look at if you, if you're not convinced after the 10 pounds of gold, what, what I can bring to the table. Like I'm so proud of that. I'm so, so incredibly proud of what me and Nick were able to produce with that. Um, and if you can't watch that and don't feel like I have a puncher's chance, then I don't know, maybe I'm just not for you. And you could check out that 10 pounds of gold, go to the NWA YouTube page to watch it. It's absolutely great. And now you're doing a complete 180 because now you're going to the world of sports entertainment and you're stepping into the ring with NWA champion Nick Aldis, who is as a good a representative of pure wrestling and the NWA and a champion than anybody that I've seen in recent memory. So, so talk about this shift and talk about the word respect, because if you didn't get it before, you're certainly going to get it tomorrow night. Yeah. And so I think the reason why the NWA and Nick made sense to me as my first kind of uh, match outside of WWE was because of that element of respect. I want to be considered a professional wrestler. It's like I said, you go to WWE, you be a sports entertainer, you do the stuff there and I get it. And that's some people's cup of tea. It wasn't for me. I thought it would be, but it just wasn't. What I loved about the sport of pro wrestling was the sport of pro wrestling. I love everything about it. I've been watching, I've been on this kick of watching all sorts of all Japan pro wrestling. I've been watching old ring of honor matches. I've been watching all, all these old NWA world title matches because that's what I fell in love with. And I wanted to remind myself of what I love about pro wrestling. And I feel like this opportunity with Nick gives me the opportunity to push away from what people think of me as Mike Kanellis and actually be able to accept me again as Mike Bennett, the Mike Bennett, the professional wrestler, Mike Bennett, who loves the sport, not wrestling's entertainment. It always will be. And there's always, you always, you're always going to need that side of it to draw fans in. And I get it. But what I'm in love with right now is just this actual athleticism, this sport. And I want to bring that side because when I started at ring of honor too, I was always like the sports entertainment guy who didn't fit in ring of honor because he was going to go to WWE. And then I had Maria who was the former WWE diva and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of never followed that path of that pure sport of ring of honor or that pure sport of new Japan pro wrestling or NWA or what, or what, uh, or whatnot. But now I get to, and I don't know, at 35 years old, that excites me more than anything else in pro wrestling. Like, I, like I've been watching Kobashi just beat the crap out of people lately. And I'm like, that excites me. That's fun. Like, let me do that. Let me prove to people I can be that kind of wrestler, not the Mike Kanellis who lays down on his back so his wife can pin him, but the guy who can get up and slap you in the face and then take a slap right back. That's fun for me right now. If that's the style that's fun for you and that you enjoy most, and since you did experience the most success in your career in Ring of Honor, is going back there uh, with Taven something that you have considered or something that's a possibility for you? Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think that's always kind of been, uh, it's kind of always been out there because Matt's Matt's still there. And it just, I feel like my mindset now, the way I am now is completely different. And I think not only because I'm, I feel like I learned so much at WWE and I've changed, but because I'm, I'm, I'm sober and you just think differently when you're sober, you know, it's, you, you have this clear mind, you, you start to enjoy things more. And I don't think I fully appreciated my last run at ring of honor. And that bothers me. And I don't think I fully appreciated my last run at new Japan. And that bothers me. And so these are uh, like when I say I const I'm constantly tweeting out this stuff ab about redemption and how this matches. This is real. And I I'm not trying to like break the fourth wall here and blah, 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 because I, I believe in, in keeping things, you know, protected in it. But like this, this I'm not this isn't phony. I'm truly looking at this match as the most important match of my life it, because I have a chance because there, there's eyes right now on me that weren't there on at WWE. And this is my opportunity to say, Hey, check this side out of who I am. You might've saw this side, but maybe check this side out. And if I do well, it's like I said at the beginning of, of talking to you guys, I understand that people probably aren't knocking at my door to try to hand me contracts because I didn't do that much. 
I wasn't, I wasn't like this hot commodity and I'm trying to prove that what you saw the last three years, isn't me. And so this match really is the most important match in my life. So would it be, would it be safe to say that in the predetermined world of sports entertainment, this is the most real thing you've done in your entire career or has to be the most real thing you're going to do in your entire career? Hands down. I don't think I've ever approached a match like this where it's, it's a hundred percent. Everything you saw in the 10 pounds of gold, that was, that was from the heart. That was me just saying, all right, this is how I feel right now. And this is how I felt ever since I got my release. And then the previous years, I have something to prove there's a chip on my shoulder, but it's, it's a good chip. It's not like I'm here and I want, I want Vince McMahon to burn in hell. No, I don't like that. I don't, I'm not in that place anymore. I'm in a good place. This is to prove to me, this is to prove to my wife, who's always had my back, who took my hand and, and said, we're going to get through this recovery together. We're going to get through all this BS together. This is for my kids who I can look in my eye and say, look, daddy, you can look at daddy in a respectable manner. Like this is what I'm proud of. I want to show them stuff I'm proud of. So I'm approaching this 100%. Like you said, in this predetermined sport, this is about as real as it's ever gotten for me. And this is that hardcore audience, too, because, you know, you're a part of a segment on Raw of a dozen different segments that could kind of get lost where everyone that's going to watch this tomorrow is going to be focused on you and this match. And I thought in the 10 pounds of gold, there was something that was extremely significant. And it was when you talk about a question that your wife, Marie, asked you was like, you know, money aside, finances aside, if you didn't need the finances, what would you want to do with your life? And you said, to be a professional wrestler. I, you know, hearing that almost gives me goosebumps because it's something that you truly do want to do. Finances aside, it's what you truly want to be. Yeah, it's just, it's, I always believe that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I feel that about pro wrestling. I've, I'm at a point now that I haven't been to in a long time. And that's like, that's literally, I wake up and I think about pro wrestling. I think about ideas. I think about matches. I think about promos. I'm watching uh, all these hour long YouTube videos of new Japan, all Japan. When I go to sleep, I've been hooked on Nigel McGuinness matches from early ring of honor because I'm just like, Holy crap. Like, why wasn't I tuned into this? Like I knew all about this, but like I said, I was so, WWE oriented that this is where I wanted to go that I kind of had tunnel vision and I beat myself up about it because I think I kind of pigeonholed myself but now I look at it and I'm like no that was preparing you for where you are now and I've just fallen so much in love with this sport again that that was a legit conversation I was sitting there me and Maria were sitting around the kids had just gone to bed so we actually had peace and quiet to talk and she's like you just seem upset and I was like, I just don't know what I want anymore. And I think I was just so beat up from feeling like nothing at WWE and then getting released and then being like, I know no one's going to come knocking because I didn't set the world on fire. So what do I do next? Maybe it's time to, maybe it's time to look at something else. Maybe I had a good run and at 35, I can say, pack it up. And she said, well, what do you want to do? And I remember saying, I genuinely don't know. I just don't, I can't think of it in my head. And she said, well, let me break it down in simpler terms. Money's not an issue. Finances, there's no, you have unlimited resources. What would you do? And I said, I'd go wrestle. And she said, well, th that's it. Like, there's nothing else to it. She said, then go do it. And don't worry about anything else. We figured it out this far. We'll figure it out again. And so like, and that always stuck with me because it's just, if I just clear my head and be like, what do you love? It's always pro wrestling. It always comes back to that. I can't get away from it. When it comes to pro wrestling and loving the sport of pro wrestlers, obviously it's your other pro wrestlers that you have to bond with, get along with, work with, coexist with, uh, specifically in your three years of the WWE. Can you tell me one of the most, uh, talk to me about your fellow wrestler. Tell me what you learned the most. The number one positive thing you learned about your fellow wrestler and the number one negative thing you learned about your fellow wrestler um while you're in wwe uh you know honestly one of the things that i've loved so much about that company was the locker room 
Now, there's a lot of negative talk about WWE. Some of it's deserved, some of it's not. Um, but when it comes to the actual locker room, there's a bond there that I that I absolutely loved because it wasn't. Now I feel like everyone's trying to be top dog there, and I respected that. But I also felt like everyone was looking out for each other, and everyone was also like, "Look, we have a show to put on. We all want to be top dog, but we're going to come together." And if like I remember when Kofi broke through, there wasn't like this collection of, "Oh well, that should have been me." No, there was this collection of, "Good." Good. He deserved it. And who's the next one to break through? You know, like I remember one of my, my favorite experiences was when, when uh, Ali got his first opportunity on SmackDown, there's a picture of it that I think circulated online too, of all the two Oh five guys in gorilla watching the monitor because we were all there to support him because we all knew how good he was. We all knew that uh, he deserved that opportunity. And we all looked at it as like, he broke through 205 and he got to that point and we just were all so excited. And I, and I loved that bonding experience. I loved, I absolutely loved it. And then I got to just, and, and Bubba, you know, just traveling the road with people that I never thought I would, I would bond with like Rowan and with Connor from the Ascension. They became like my two bodyguards traveling the road. And they always looked out for me. Uh, Connor especially looked out for me with my addiction and he would always be like, stick with me. I won't let you screw up. And I just like, like, I didn't know him that well, but then we became best buddies and it was great. Um, and you know, like as far as the negatives go, I feel like there's not, I, at least I didn't, and maybe, and maybe I didn't, uh, I wasn't looking hard enough, but as far as the talent goes, I never felt anything negative. I always felt anything negative coming from, uh, above that coming from like, cause I always felt like everyone knew that the BS from above trickled down and we just all kind of looked out for each other. Um, and so if there was any negative, it was just kind of what, what I felt like was trickling down from the top. And then the talent always kind of knew they were like, yeah, that's kind of how it, and they always looked out for each other. So it's hard for me to say there was any negatives with the boys or with the, the females there. One of the biggest differences between, um, uh, the WWE specifically for when you were there or for when I was there 20 years ago, I said that there is, there was so much politics amongst the boys back then, but now there's not the politics were amongst everybody above the boys and the boys have now realized that realize they can't do anything about it. So we're going to do the best that we can with all the politics that goes on above us. And it seemed like the politicking went on amongst the, the boys who used to be the boys who are, were now the agents and, and, uh, and producers all trying to get over with the brass. That's the way I looked at it at least. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's, I think you just summed it up perfectly to how I feel. It was like, everyone would always come back after we went over our matches, we'd always come back to the locker room. And it was just this like airing of grievances because everybody knew like, well, why do we got to do that? Well, you know why he wants you to do that. Well, you know why he wants you. And it's like, I do, but it sucks. And we just be like, well, you got to make the most of it. So yeah, I feel like the politicking with the boys has kind of been pushed on to be like, we see through the BS, but now we just have to navigate through it. You know, Michael, you've been very, very uh, honest and forthcoming with, with your addiction. How, how difficult was it to navigate through that? Especially somebody who is a star, somebody who's on TV. So there's probably a certain perception of you from outsiders. So how difficult was it to get people to realize what you were going through at that time? You know, I, honestly, I was genuinely shocked at the outpouring of support. And I think it's just, uh, it just goes to show how many pe how many people are affected by opioid addiction or addiction in general in this country, because I initially came out and was honest about it because I wanted to be held accountable. My wife was holding me accountable. My family was holding me accountable, but it's kind of like I said, in the 10 pounds of gold, if I put it out there, as someone who has a platform and does get to reach millions of people, then that's the ultimate accountability. Because if you see me out and I'm messed up, you're going to call me out on it or you're going to call me out online. Um, and I wanted to be, I was so confident that I wanted to get over this and get through this and that this was what I needed to survive. Um, that I wanted to be held to that standard of accountability because now 
the, where I'm at in my life, that's what I hold myself to. Um, and so, but I was genuinely shocked. I thought, I mean, I get, I get the, the, the tweets and the, the posts where you're just a, a junkie or once an addict, always an addict and blah, blah, blah. And you use WWE for that. Like I get those and whatever, but for the most part, people are genuinely kind. People are, I mean, I remember at Royal Rumble, uh, a couple of years ago, whenever it was, uh, at Minute Maid Park, um, I was down there and I walked out of the hotel and a man must've been in his forties. He came up to me and he was, he was crying. And he said to me, he's like, your, your openness about your addiction and your openness about vulnerability and this and that helped me get through my divorce. And I just remember being so like taken aback and being like, wow, this means more than anything in wrestling to affect someone on a personal level like that, that means like, and that's why I, that's why I continue to do it because I, I selfishly, I love the tweets of people saying to me, you helped me have a conversation with my wife. And now I'm talking about my addiction or your, your tweets or your, your YouTube videos have helped me realize that, Oh, okay. Someone else is going through this. And I'm not like that to me, like I get goosebumps right now thinking about it because I genuinely care about people. And maybe that's just from, from, you know, uh, being able to survive this addiction myself that I've kind of opened up my, my eyes to this, but I genuinely, I genuinely enjoy helping people. You know, Mike, what's really interesting is we came up with a concept for the show during the pandemic era on Mondays called Get Yourself Over Monday. And it was designed for indie wrestlers who really weren't known that much. And in no way will I say you're this is a get yourself over Monday, but you are getting yourself over right now. I've always known you to be a good dude and a genuine dude. I've always liked you. You've always been very respectful and fun to talk to. But right now on social media, we have people tweeting over and over again about how I don't know Mike Bennett, but I'm going to check out Mike Bennett because this guy sounds really cool and really humble. So I think you're doing an excellent job and I hope you have an excellent match with Nick Aldis. I hope you beat him and you know, wow. and, and I, and I hope hot this take. match <laughs> hot take and I hot hope this take. match is everything that you need it to be. Well, and then I you. hope you go home and put your wife in her place because she deserves it. <laughs> Wait, hey, hey, come on! I gotta go back upstairs and talk yeah, to yeah, what yeah. you're doing. You're killing me here, Bubba. Um, Thank you. No, honestly, that that um, like you said, I you know how much I, the, the amount of respect I have for you. So hearing that, honestly, thank you. That that means the world to me. And again, presented uh, by the United Wrestling Network. Tomorrow night, you're challenging Nick Aldis for the NWA Championship. You could see that on Fight TV. Go to Fight TV for all the information, again, being presented by the United Wrestling Network. Really quick, last thing from me, just a couple of thoughts on Nick Aldis as you enter this match tomorrow night. Uh, you know, it's like everyone always said to ask me, they're like, why Nick? Why did you go after the NWA and why did you go after Nick? And it's real simple. If you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And that's, again, that's in this predetermined sport. And that is in real life. And that's how I look at it. Nick has been, Nick, Nick put the NWA back on the map. You can say whatever it was before, but what Nick did with that, that world championship was he made it relevant again and he made it important again. And I looked at that. And then when I, I saw what Nick did with it, I went, Wow. Think of the things you could do with that. Think what you can do now that you're in that mindset. Think, think if you won that, think of the shows you could go to, the matches you could have. I want to do what Nick did, but I want to do it 10 times better. Um, and that's saying a lot because what Nick did is unbelievable. And he's one of the best, and I want to beat the best. And that's what I'm looking forward to. And again, we could see that tomorrow night. Uh, Mike Bennett versus Nick Aldis for the NWA Championship. Go to fight.tv for all the information. Mike, thank you so much for the 30 minutes. We truly appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you guys for having me. It's, uh, I, I think, the world of both you guys, and I love this show, so thanks very much. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Fraschella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it in to make it. Somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Not the best man for the moment, 
but the best man, Miro, joins us here on Busted Open. How are you, sir? It's the best day ever. The best man is in the house. What's up, y'all? How are you? The best man. The best man. There's only one man that is right for the job, and that's the best man that is right for any job. So here I am, Busted Open Radio. It's my pleasure to be here. I love every single person on this uh, chat, so I love talking to y'all, to everybody. You, you know I'm here to expose you, right? Oh, boy. Well, that's not the first time, so it's okay. <laughs> Listen, man, uh, out of, in the main event capacity, we probably have 50 matches, like house shows and televisions included. And I want to let you know, that the most fun I've had in the ring at a main event capacity was with you. No. You Listen, mean that? You think about all the times outside the ring and stuff that we were just messing around and clowning and acting a fool. And I don't know if you remember or not, but there was a, there was a match that we had on a house show where they told us to stop fucking around so much like stop playing you do you remember that i do not i can't remember i I, I can't remember i think it was somewhere in florida or something and it was just party time like you stomped (laughs) me in the back You, you you stomped me in the back and i rolled out to the floor i remember and I was like, my spine is broken. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> that sounds very familiar. Yes, that sounds that so, very familiar. But that's the, that's the thing. Like, when you get into the moment, like, you can, you can do that. You can play around and joke and entertain the people that's right there in the front row. Who do you see yourself doing that with at AEW? Who, well, first of all, uh, Mr. Henry, thank you very much for the kind words. And it's, uh, it's so, it was, I remember working with you and I remember being so, so early in my career, but I wanted to pick your brain. I wanted to know because I wanted to get better. And this was my mission statement day in and day out, get better. So, so I can, you know, I can hang with these guys because they've been done, they've been there, done that. How can I hang with them? So it was always such a pleasure being in the ring with everybody uh, they got to, because I learned from every single person and having fun was probably the first time I actually get to have with you. It's because when you first come in, you know, you're trying to be just like, like you can barely, like you're so afraid to move, but being with you and you being such a lighthearted and and such an easygoing guy, once you start having fun, it's just, it's just, uh, you have to have fun because it just doesn't go if you go against it. So if you're with somebody like this, it's so much better for you to relax and be like, Oh man, this actually can be fun. This is so much cooler. And but who do I feel like I can do this with uh, in AEW? It's really uh, it's a great question. But there's so many people that I haven't worked with. There's ninety percent of the of the roster that I have never even locked up. I've never even been in the same room with. So I think this is a this is a question that probably we should revisit in a month when I get to know everybody. But as of now, I'm ready to to step in the ring with. Doesn't matter who it is. I just wanna. I just want to show that I'm ready and I want to show that the best man is actually the best man. Can I, can I give my opinion of who I, I think should be that person? Oh, absolutely. I think that why mess around? Go straight, straight to the top. Chris Jericho and MJF are two guys that um, are tailor-made for your style they 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 both have the psychology as you do. You 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 saying you you know you're still a young guy, but you worked in a lot of main events with elite talent. And there I remember times where I I suggested things that you go, you know what? I, I think it best best served that if we do something different and we did it like this. And it was good ideas. And I'm, I was always like, shit, all right, well, if it's a good idea, it sounds like a good idea, let's do it. But I think that you and the best that they have, win, lose, or draw, is going to be good because I know your skill set, and it will be pretty easy to book you to do whatever. 
So I, I say go to the top, man. Like go top of the food chain. Yeah, I mean, MGF. Uh, what do you think, Bully? Well, going to the top of the food chain is good. The names that you mentioned, like the Jerichos or even the Moxleys, I, I wouldn't want to see uh, backlash with in the amongst the AEW fan base because then they could very much go, "Well, this is a WWE guy versus a WWE guy," and they're not, you know, they're not going to want that because it's going to be force feeding of WWE guys down AEW fan stroke. I kind of like the fact that Miro was in there with, with Saban because here's Miro a now a former WWE superstar rubbing up, rubbing up against, you know, an up-and-coming AEW guy. Would it have been the first thing I would have done? No, but I get why they do it because it's a good, it's a good mix of talent and it, it works for everybody. And what Mira, what I wanted to ask you is you know, I always talk about people who demand the spotlight and command the spotlight. You commanded the spotlight that much that night with your presence, but more so with your words. Why was it so important for you to get out the line about taking the brass ring and shoving it up your ass? I know why. I'm sure Mark knows why. But can you tell our listeners why it was so important to you? Um. You, you gather feelings over the years, and I've always been. If you watch my mirror Twitch, well, I'm usually I'm always really positive. I never, I've never liked talk bad about somebody just because you know don't stone anybody because we're all done bad stuff, right? But it's just a certain time when you just you put all your heart and soul into certain things, and you just don't feel like it's coming to fruition because of one reason or another. Uh, it was just so disheartening over the years. So I had to, and thank you to Chris. I had to, I didn't have to, but I had to, I went, I went and saw Chris before that. And because Chris, who's very in promos and, and Chris Jericho, uh, I told him kind of my idea. He's like, oh, you should say, you know, about the, uh, about the brass ring. And I'm like, I, I got legit like, whoa, like, no. Like, uh, do I ask for permission? Do I ask for forgiveness after? He's like, no, dude, you don't have to ask for anything. You just go ahead and do it. It's a good promo. And I was just like so shocked because I'm so used to different different style. Um, so it was very important for me to say it because I actually meant all these things. Over the years, I've gathered all these emotions that I needed one little second to express my frustrations for the past 10 years. And now let's move on. Let's forget what we did. Let's forget everything. Now let's start AW Dynamite, the best man, Miro, keep saving. Now let's let's go ahead and, and and kill whatever we can. So that was kind of like a cleansing to you. Like you got it all out and now you can move on. Absolutely. I don't I don't want to talk about them anymore. I've never I have no sick uh, feelings, no bad feelings at all. I'm a, I'm in a great position. Everything is God's word, so it doesn't matter what happened. Everything was meant to be. Miro, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, like, don't want to dwell on the negative, don't want to dwell on the past. I try my best to stay in the present, stay positive. Uh, but there was a time where there was a girl that I really liked, and we didn't get along. We, we did not get along all the time. We were, like, all in water. And, I mean, like, the, the uh, extracurriculars was great. But everything in between, everything else sucked. And I realized that when it came to an end, you could not go back to that thought process of mm. dealing with that person. And it took me probably a year to, to, to see that person again and go, hey, how you doing? And it was fine. And they, you know, when they came on to you, you're like, "Hey, uh, hey, I'm, I'm, I've moved on." I'm glad that you've got to that place where you can move on, not have, have any reservations about it, not think about that old girlfriend, and you can honestly look at yourself in the mirror and go, "Look, it's about going forward." And I can't wait as a wrestling fan. To see this blonde-haired monster get in there and mix it up and do it because you want to do it. And, and you got something to prove. That's the thing that a lot of pro wrestlers, um, they try to put that aside. 
Like, oh, I'm just, you know, want to go out and do my thing. No, screw that. You got something to prove, go out there and prove it. Like, I, as a fan, I want to see you go out there and say, this is the reason why. Let us do the talking about what was. You move on and go do you. But I want to see you prove to them and every other company in the world why you should be at the forefront of everybody's lips when you talk about pro wrestling. Well, thank you, Mark. Those are very kind words. But also, I always, ever since AEW formed, I, I started watching it, and I was so fascinated by it. it for, there's many reasons why I was so fascinated, but it didn't, it didn't sink in my head until I got there. And I was there for two days. And after the first day, I was like, wow. It's just like it blew my mind. It kinda ha- I kind of have an epiphany of a professional wrestling. And if you allow me two minutes, I'll explain you why. Um, so I was take your pop- time. <laughs> take three. You I can have three minutes. <laughs> and the clock starts now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was used to this bubble and the say yes, thank you, Mark. Um, and in the same style, same style for 10 years. And everything outside was kind of like, well, that makes no sense. Well, this makes no sense. With that, you're just pointing fingers. But now being on the outside looking, I finally understand why AEW is the best. Because AEW gives you every single style around the world. And when they invite you to come to AEW, they don't, they don't invite you and tell you, hey, come and change your style to what we want. No, 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 no. You come and show your style that you're doing whatever you are coming from. So... So the luchadors come in and they're being luchadors. The people with strong style, they come into strong style. They don't have to be the style that a certain promotion wants. We're like, the one, the old bubble is like boxing. AEW is like MMA. We have all styles combined into one. And in one show, you'll see every single thing under the sun. You're not just going to see boxing. You're going to see all the martial arts. That's why I love AEW. That's why I cannot wait to get in the ring. So Miro... What about your style? What about your character that you never got to show in the past? Are you looking forward the most to showing fans in the future? Um, I just always wanted to. I was a big fan of Kurt Angle. I've said that before. I think he's one of he's probably my favorite superstar after Hogan. Um, but the way he was, like in the ring, he will kick your ass so bad, you will have no idea. He will tie you up. He will do anything. He was vicious. His promos were amazing. But then backstage, he was not afraid to have fun. He was not afraid to have fun. And even with movies, when I watch movies, like you watch The Avengers, half of The Avengers is just a comedy. It's just, it's just a lighthearted feeling. Hey, yeah, man, good guys, bad guys, whatever, we can do it. And that's what is so beautiful about entertainment. I don't want to just be mm, or just eh. I want to be a human being. I want to do mm, and uh, at the same <laughs> sentence because as human beings, that's what we do. We're not just one or two. You're all everything. You're every single color under the, the sun aspect or whatever the thing it's called. Like Mira, as a, as a married man, I wish I could do a little bit more of the ooh and uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Hey, so so check this out, man. Like you, you're a you're a gamer. I remember playing Madden against you and and playing the uh, the fight games and stuff. I love the fact that you're able to uh, let people see another side of you that uh, that you like comedy, that you like to have fun, and you mentioned fun like twice now in this uh, in this call and. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you have fun. I think that I'm looking forward to seeing the reaction you get from not only uh, your opponent and the wrestlers around the ring, but from the fan base uh, to you having fun. And what is the first thing that you want to establish uh, at AEW as far as your character development, how you feel the you said your mission statement early. What is the mission statement for Miro? Uh, to show that I'm the best man, plain and simple. The best man is not just a gimmick. The best man is 
I believe I'm the best man. I believe when you watch my video games, I'm the best in video games. And this is not something I say lightly. In the ring, I am the best in the ring. So it doesn't matter. You can't catch me off guard. That's the thing. People think, oh, well, let's try to expose them this way, like Mark warned me before that. Let's try to expose them that way. No, you cannot, because you cannot expose me, because I'm all around player, man. You can't. People try it for years. Oh, let's put them in this. Let's put them in that. Let's put them in that. You just can't. You can't give me your 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 chicken and I will turn into chicken whatever you want. I'll turn into a chicken cake if you want. Just, just tell me what you want, man. That's all it is. That's all I'm asking. Tell me what you want and let me do it because I sure can. Man, don't start talking about food this early. <laughs> I just woke up. I know. <laughs> you know you can you know you can say chicken shit on Sirius XM, right? I can't do that. I'm sorry. You're such sorry. a sweetie pie. I just okay, love chicken this shit. Guy. I said it. <laughs> yeah. What do you want us to get fine? <laughs> Take it easy with the language. My gosh, you're on the radio <laughs> for crying out loud. Jeez Louise. Mira, let me ask you this. You cause you mentioned ten years of doing it a certain way. It's not just 10 years of doing it a certain way, but 10 years where you had a name and you built up that name to be a mainstream superstar. How difficult is it to now use another and have to build that name up as well? Because everybody knows you as Rusev because of all your hard work for a decade. How difficult is it now to build up a new name? Um, I don't think it's difficult at all. I feel ever since I got uh, let go, I did good on my downtime. I started my Twitch, promoting my uh, promoting my own channel. I started doing some YouTube, started promoting myself there, and both channels like grew so fast. And that shows just uh, how amazing our audience is. And uh, wrestling crowd doesn't forgive anybody or doesn't forget stuff. If you if you've done good, yeah, they'll remember you, and I hope that is. The case and it has been so far because as i said everything has been great and now people when they see me on the street they don't call me the r word anymore everybody calls me miro and this has been just over one week so i, I think i think this is great and and also being behind uh, with the company that actually promotes my stuff they pro aw promotes my youtube channel promotes my social media they want me to do good because this is the way of the future man these with all these other dinosaurs like like we don't need that. We don't need massive dinosaurs. We need we need Miro people. We need the new age that we're gonna take AEW to the mainstream. We need people like this. Um, and I feel like this is where I come in because my social media game, my video gaming, my name overall, everything it's uh, it's higher than other people in AEW, and I, that's why I want to contribute. I want to bring more eyes to the product because essentially they're gonna see how good I am, and I'm gonna and that's what I want to do. <laughs> Mira, you were talking earlier about how before you went out there for that first promo, you know, Jericho kind of told you, yeah, go out there and, you know, say whatever you want. Talk about the brass ring, yada, yada. Uh, was there ever a concern or a worry from you or from Lana that a line like that could uh, possibly get her some backlash uh, working in the WWE? Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, I feel like they should be professional and they should just treat it as a... As what it is it's nothing personal you know they always say that it's nothing personal it's a business well hopefully they do treat it as a nothing personal it's a business because that's what it is and and I just hope that it won't hurt her I really do hope and I've been thinking about this for a long time and uh, it's definitely something in the back of my mind but I, I know and I pray that everything will be fine and I know it will eventually because I feel like we should definitely move on it's 2020 for Christ's sake. How how is it is it awkward at all with that dynamic that you're you know there it's competition that you know one of you are with one company the others with another company? No, no. It's like you wake up, you go to work at Starbucks. Somebody wakes up and goes work at Dunkin' Donuts. Whatever it is, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter. It's a job, but it's it's it, there's nothing to be uh, animosity or anything like this company to company. <clears throat> My wife. I love my wife. Uh, I'm going to do anything for my wife. And uh, is this the ideal situation? No, it's not. But sometimes just life takes you different directions and you just got to roll with the punches. It's hard because we've, we've, been, we've known each other for seven years now and we've probably been together 99% of the time together. Flying, driving, sleeping, wrestling, everything. So it's kind of taken an adjustment period 
Uh, but thankfully, uh, she has Bundle of Joy, which is the dog that she travels with our, you know, that keeps her company. And I have little pickles. And, uh, you know, we have a little separate company <laughs> like that. So we can keep each other sane at times. Sounds like something my first wife called me, Little Pickle. Um, Miro, you, you mentioned you mentioned Twitch and you mentioned um, you know you're a gamer. Listen, I, I'm with it, man. I play Brick Breaker. I, I, I'm I'm on top of things. Um, so, Brick Breaker, what? Uh, what? <laughs> so so Miro, let me ask you this: You said AEW lets you promote those things, like. It seems like you're in touch with the same demographic that watches AEW, that, you know, 18 to 49 year old that that's playing video games that are on Twitch. So it seems like this is the perfect combination for you and the company. Yeah, I think when I first came in, that was when you say what's my mission statement, whatever it is. Uh, So if I can kick your ass in the ring, I can kick your ass in any video game. I have the hottest wife ever. If you're a kid, wouldn't you want to be like me? Right? And yeah, this you're here. I, I, I want to be like you. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Mr. Yeah, Henry, at, you're too kind. You're looking at Mark's uh, <laughs> fantasy team from yesterday. I can understand why. Um, wow. <laughs> too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> see that? Sorry. See? I, I'm, you know what? I see why Billy picks on your ass now. You just throw these little jabs and act like that. I'm, I wasn't Marco. He a Mark nice guy. He's not going to say nothing about me taking a little stab at him. Nah. See, you wait, Dave. I'm going to let Miro have his time. But when I see your ass Friday, you're going to get it. You watch. Okay. This is going to be the first Mark Henry attack Dave LaGreca TV radio <laughs> segment. Podcast going to be on fire. Everything. You in for I, it, brother. I do it all Son the time. Trust me. It feels great. Dave, you better bring some, yeah, uh, some, some peace offerings. Uh, no, listen. I, I love pissed. Mark. No, you don't. You just stabbed me in the face <laughs> with an ice pick. And, and expect me to face. stand here and take it. Okay. Okay, anyway, Miro, um, what's, what's, what's your favorite game? Are you a sports game guy? You like the fights? You like the first shooters? I play it all. I'm a diversity guy. I play every single game. I'm my, FIFA is definitely my number one game because I get to play with my brother, and there's nothing like spending quality time with your brother because I love my brother being away from him for so long. It's just, you know, we're trying to avoid that. And now throughout, through video games, we get to connect a few hours a day. And it's not just, yes, we do play games, but it's like communicating with your family. I think that's what brings us together. And that's why video games to me is also very important. Um, also, you know, all the NBAs, um, 2K, all the, of course, uh, Warzone, Call of Duty, that's my other game that I'm semi-addicted to uh, in a good way. But now it keeps saving. Kip, you know, Kim's got his own uh, Twitch channel as well, so it's great to collaborate with him and go to battle. Uh, best men and the best grooms, man, I guess. <laughs> what, what is the uh, best... What is your, um, your grading on the new 2K basketball and Madden? Do you think... Is, is it better <laughs> to you? Because everybody I talk to about the gaming... Uh, they're not they're, they're not the biggest fans of the new uh, football. They they uh, thought that last year's was better. Yeah, the, the problem is you gotta understand. I do think the same. The problem is you have two new consoles coming at the end of the year. You have you know the PlayStation Five and the new Xbox. So now these studios are almost forced to make two separate games for the old system and for the new system. So I feel like this is something that I've noticed with the previous years. Once there's a new system overstepping the old one, the games are usually kind of, ah, you know, not exactly there, um, which is really unfortunate. But, you know, this is something that I've lived through before. I've had bad gaming experiences before. We just got to move on and find the right game. And I'm, I'm a fan of 2K. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting the games today. Uh, Jacob is bothering me to death about getting the new games. Um, what do you? What game do you recommend I go out and get? And this is for the uh, to, for the nation that are gamers. Uh, we we all taking notes. Like, what what do you recommend? Being that you're an expert gamer, 
Well, for family time, it's got to be something that you both love to do. Like, and I believe that you both love football. You both love basketball. Um, I'm not sure about your war game situation, but that's what I'll start. That's what I'll do. I'll, uh, when I get something, it's not like, oh, how much fun can I have? It's when I stream something, how much can the whole handsome chatters, the community that I'm in with, we can have fun. And it's the same with family. I feel, hey, I want to have fun with, with Jacob. And Jacob is probably the smartest uh, like boy I have ever witnessed in my life, which is impossible. Because I remember meeting him when he was six and he was already talking like he was 26. Like, how is this even, like, I just don't, I didn't understand that. Jacob, how are you, how are you like this? But knowing your father, I guess I'm not surprised. Um, he's a great boy. Um, so that's why I would go. I would go for a, like solid NFL games that you can both play on the same team. So you don't have to yeah. be mad at each other. <laughs> but once once he goes to like, hey, you dropped the pass. Why didn't you jump? What are you doing that, Jacob? I'm your father. <laughs> you better not yell at me. Yeah, but you know, once you get to the conversation. So you know us? You have been, have you been watching <laughs> us? <laughs> I feel like I know how are you, Mr. Henry and, and little Jacob. So I'm pretty sure once it comes to video games. But it's the beautiful thing about video games. It's, it's the healthy competition. You get a little argument. You set it at one-on-one. There's a loser. There's a winner. We move on. Yeah, I get that bully whenever I play my Atari 2600, you know. It's a little, you know, the joystick's a little like, tough to get around. I like well, it with this little old school stuff. Not old school. From the 60s, maybe it was not old school. I don't know. Miro, <laughs> uh, I know you love FIFA. Uh, there's a guy out there, Ocho Cinco, who's also a huge FIFA player. Have you guys ever played each other? Forget, I tried to call him out four years ago. Four years ago, I've been waiting for Chad Ocho Cinco. And we went through all the appropriate channels. He's just scared. When the man is scared to play by another grown man in a game, just go out there and say, hey, Mr. Miro, uh, you had a great debut. AEW Dynamite is the greatest professional wrestling show. I'm afraid to play you in FIFA. That's all you got to say. <laughs> but don't just... Don't just <laughs> tweet me one time, then forget me, then tweet me another time. And I issued an open challenge. Nobody. There's nobody out there. I'm sure that after all of our listeners just heard what you said, they're probably picking up their Twitter machines right now and tweeting Ocho Cinco that you just called him out again on live radio and have challenged him to play him in FIFA again. Yes. Any day, any time, I'll wake up at four in the morning if I have to. I'll play you. I'll destroy you. And then you, if I beat you, Ooh. you come to AEW Dynamite and you're going to be my, my ringside friend. That's what I'm challenging. <laughs> my, my, my ringside friend. My, my ringside friend. <laughs> Listen, have you, have you, are you a Rocket League guy? You ever played Rocket League? Oh, of course. Of course. I played Rocket League before people knew what Rocket League was. Oh, so I'm gonna have to give yeah. me one of these Twitch machine things that everybody's talking song about. Like that takes Whopper. a long, takes a long Just time to warm up those. Twitch I, I machines. like that game. I'm, I'll play you, <laughs> Mr. Dave. Twi- uh, Twitch. I was gonna explain to what Twitch is. <laughs> Rocket <laughs> League is like a soccer with a big ball and cars driving, trying to score a goal with each other. So it's yeah. it's like the first time you took acid. It's a wait a second. It's a soccer game with a big ball and cars. Yeah, you're hitting you're hitting the ball with the car the cars to try to get it in the in the big goal. Yeah, it's awesome. And people don't get hurt doing this. Uh, It's on the game, fool. It's not like we're not getting on a. And it's a actually real car, a really Dave. fun video game, Dave. You should try it. I'm going to punch you. How, how do we explain Dave Fall Guys then? You know what no, Fall I think Guys you, is? I, I, I think you did a good job. A big ball with cars, and it's a soccer game. I think that's about as good an explanation as, yeah. you, as you sell, can. Sell this, Dave. Sell this. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not even a bump? Wow. Wow. See right, that? So that's what I got to put up with. Dave you know, comes from the Shawn Michaels did. school of selling. Oh, that's not true. I sold that well. <laughs> well Don't you, you, got a, you, got a, that. you got a story? What's, what's the story, Miro? I, I was going to say the story that one time I did uh, Mr. Henry's finisher in the overseas tour in a match by accident. And uh, it was just whatever happened, springboard, crossbody. I caught my opponent in a position that I didn't want him. And it was really um, 
it was an orthodox. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going down with him. So I just picked him up and went just by instinct, boom, slammed down. I was like, one, two, you know, he kicks out. And I'm like, oh, what did I just do? <laughs> I'm in the middle of it. I'm like, what did I just do? Wow. And I, go, I remember I this. I go back and I'm like, oh my, I just, I have to go find Mr. Henry before he finds me. So <laughs> there I am. Mark, I'm so sorry if you watched the match. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh no, you're cool. At least you could have won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember, I remember seeing you guys. I remember seeing you guys in Florida. I, I went and complained and asked for my money back because you guys were just fucking clowning in the ring. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Mir, really quick, uh, throw out your YouTube page and your Twitch. YouTube to be Mural TV. Some of some great uh, content we have. Mural Twitch. That's Miro TWCH. You see me every day at 1 p.m., usually uh, Pacific time. That's Los Angeles if you're from a different country. And we have uh, To Be Miro on IG and To Be Miro on Twitter. It's very simple. All right. Well, Miro, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations with everything with AEW Dynamite. Awesome moment this past Wednesday as well. And Miro, looking forward to seeing you this Wednesday on TNT AEW Dynamite. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you, everybody. And my number is still the same because I, I tried to get a hold time. of you. Wow. No, you're texting the wrong person. Uh-oh. All these you're texting the wrong person. Yeah, they oh, got okay. you scammed. You need to get oh, no. Gabby when you, when you get off. Bully, Bully Ray, I always remember your, uh, your teachings one time before a match and, and your words still stuck with me. So uh, I always remember everybody's teaching me throughout the years that I want to be... I want to say thank you to everybody, and uh, I appreciate every single advice. Bro, I wish you nothing but luck over there. I can't wait to see you having fun and doing what you did very well in the WWE, and it's called Get Over. Over. Yeah, and send me one of these soccer car games. I'm interested to play. We're not sending you nothing no well, free stuff. Don't send him nothing you free. Shit. <laughs> Don't send him nothing free. You got to buy a Twitch I'm so pissed. Bro. <laughs> I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I, I subscribe to you. I'm a subscriber. I I'm, I follow you. Miro, thank oh, you so wow. much for the time. I do. Thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.